0: Today I want you and I want to invite you to, to take notes. Because we get, you know, we get we get to heaven a little faster if we take notes. Is that what it is, right? So I want you on the side of those notes, I want you to write some tools that you're going to be learning throughout today's sermon. I want to encourage you to use those tools as you face different conflicts, different problems, situations in your life. And I'm gonna be talking to you about what's in your toolbox. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, without you, we cannot do anything. Without you, we are nothing. We need you. We need you, Father, to break the, the bonds to break the chains, to heal the wounds, because only you can do it. So as we speak today, start mending hearts. Start mending wounds. Some of us are bleeding out as I speak. Some of us are even feeling anxious to talk about soul issues. Lord, I ask you to bring peace to bring comfort, and to bring restoration to our souls. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Before I forget, there are some papers that have been given out. You may have received one. If not, as an usher, we are going to be praying for certain people that you write down on this paper. So please make sure to fill it out, and you're going to put it in a bucket as you leave on your way out this morning. So I strongly believe that one of the reasons why my wife married me was because of my cooking skills. I could throw down. And I love, and I've learned actually in the last about well, two years now to make bread. It all started out of a science experiment because you know, during pandemic, we had to entertain the kids. We were a classroom, we were a lunchroom, we were recess time, we were everything in one in the house. How many feel that pain? How many were parents here and know that pain? Yeah, we, the air fryer was on super mode doing chicken nuggets and french fries constantly. That's what you go, what's for lunch? Chicken nuggets. We're going to put in the air fryer and that's what you're going to eat. And in five minutes they had lunch. No, no worry, no muss, right? No fuss. So I, started, I, I said, what, what could we do together and would be entertaining and would also be a learning experience? I'm a teacher, so we got to do something that's learning involved, right? So let's make bread. It's tasty at the end. My first bread, I have to confess, were not so pretty looking. But the kids loved it. And as I started making more bread and started perfecting the craft of bread making, we had a problem. There was a high demand in the Chavez household for bread. I had an issue. My bowl was getting smaller. The dough hook was getting tangled with all the dough because I wanted to make 64 buns. I thought it was like an industrial kitchen there in my house, and it was a small kitchen aid that could probably make 12 rolls at a time. It was inefficient and ineffective. In fact, it caused me more problems and more grief than solutions. Now, I I don't know about you, but I get a little attached to my tools. I love my tools, my appliances, my tools in my garage, the gadgets in my kitchen. I could use every single gadget in the kitchen to make one dish. My wife loves it when I cook, but she says, "Mm, the aftermath of cleaning. No, no. You better clean, David. If you're going to cook, you better clean. That's another sole issue that we're not going to talk about right now. But I have to confess, I'm a bit of a hoarder. I hoard things. And so I kept my KitchenAid, even though it was not efficient, not effective. And my wife saw this. She's always looking out. And she went and, and purchased for Christmas, surprised me with this huge industrial KitchenAid mixer. I was a little bit upset because my mixer was perfectly fine. There were no issues with it. I I could do, but I had to do a couple of batches. I would spend probably two hours just to make a couple of rolls. See, my bowl was, was causing the bread not to knead properly. Mixing was difficult. And the final product was coming out messy. And it lacked excellence. The struggle was real, folks. I reluctantly... Used a new mixer, and I as I opened it, I was like, Oh, this has a lever, the bowl is huge, the mixer was even bigger. The, the dough hook, I was like, Okay, all right, I'm not so upset now, I'm not that mad at you. So I put in the flour and start mixing. I'm like, Hun, oh, I could do like 64 rolls at one time. I was super excited. So I did them. Um, I saw the dough rising nicely. The the breads were coming out amazing. It did the job. That a job that once was difficult and took long time to do, now it was being completed in minutes and with so much ease. It's like the angels were singing bread. In this case, my tool wasn't broken. It had just I had just outgrown it. It no longer was useful for me. It did not complete the task that I wanted to complete. In essence, it lacked purpose and no longer provided me the efficiency that it once did. Too often we hold on to tools in our lives that are inefficient and not effective because they're familiar. I heard some confessions there. Amen. Like this one. It's easier to avoid conflict than confront it. How many are the voiders here? You don't have to confess today. It's okay. It's easier to be the appeaser in the fight than to give in, right? Meanwhile, we're growing resentful and more resentful and more resentful every day. And now there's roots of bitterness in our heart to the point of now I'm having an affair. It's more comfortable or easier to spaz out on someone and to rage out on someone because that's the tool that I saw being used growing up with my parents. Or better yet, let me desensitize myself through pornography, drug, alcohol use, and other addictive behaviors. It makes me feel good. I don't have to face the issue. I could just release a couple of endorphins because that's what it does. And now all of a sudden that hurt inside me, it goes away. But we all know it doesn't really go away. It's there. It's lurking. I don't get rid of it. Meanwhile, the hurt inside of me grows bigger and bigger and bigger. I come from a culture where the men in my family what the norm was was to have multiple relationships with different women because that was a sign of being a real macho man. No, no, no. That's the total opposite, guys. It's a sign of being an immature boy, only wanting his needs to be met because he didn't get enough attention as a kid growing up. It's selfish, it's self-destructive, and it's self-sabotaging. According to a study done on married men and women in the United States, one out of every four men will be unfaithful in their marriages. I saw the whites go, I knew it. I had a dream. Don't give them the piercing eyes because I'm going to go with another fact right now. One in every ten women will be unfaithful in their marriages. There's an obvious emotional gap in our toolbox. We lack resources, emotional and spiritual maturity. Everyone say maturity with me. We all have a toolbox. Some of our toolboxes in certain areas, some of those tools are not so good. Some of them are broken and we keep on using them over and over and over and over again. And we think we're gonna get different results, but we get the same ones. And then we're like, well, but I thought this was gonna be different this time with this woman. I thought it was going to be different with this guy because he had all the qualities I was looking for. I wrote a list, Pastor. I prayed about it. Did you get help for yourself? Did you work on yourself first? Or did you just jump into the relationship? Oh, no, no, no. I just, you know, it, when was your last relationship? It was just like maybe a week ago. So why did you get into this new one? No, no, because this guy, he's the one for me. I, I had a vision. Someone prophesied that I w- No, 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 no. You got to deal with self first. You got to be healthy first to be in a healthy relationship. All you're doing is destroying others. All you're doing is, is bringing your junk to someone else's junk. And what do you have? Junk plus junk is junk. It doesn't get better, guys. It doesn't wash away. The garbage does not mysteriously get better and smell better because it's next to someone else's garbage. In fact, it stinks more. Some of us think, I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm just, we got to deal with our junk, guys. Some of us are afraid to look inside and like, Pastor David, you, you just know. I don't want to deal with that today. That's too much. That's too rough. I, let me just praise the Lord and lift up my hands. Let the Holy Spirit do everything. Yes, let the Holy Spirit work in your soul. But you got to do the work. You got to figure out. You got to analyze. David said, examine my heart, O Lord. He was in a constant. See, the Psalms, Psalms from 1 to 150, if you read them all, it's his confessional. It's how he's dealing with his junk. And boy, did David have junk. Maybe at one point you used anger because anger was a form of self-defense. You had to defend yourself growing up. You had to be the loudest voice. I know growing up in New York City, we had to have some self-defense mechanisms, right? Growing up, I, I had to I had to act like I was crazy, so I would talk to myself. <laughs> Don't mess with me. I talk to myself. <laughs> Don't look at me. I, I'm, I'm on a mission. This is before Bluetooth. This is before the wireless headphones. So you knew I was crazy. Don't. Me- I don't want to deal with. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want just. I just need to get to point B because I'm in point A and I want to get there. I don't want any problems. We have self-defense de- mechanisms, or maybe retreating from conflict was the only way you would survive at home. For me, fleeing conflict and ignoring was my best tool. Growing up in a home with multiple conflicts where my parents were more at odds than at love, I grew in love with my escapes. How many love their escapes? You don't gotta say amen. You don't gotta say nothing. You guys, mm, I heard that one. I hated being home. I would grow anxious and cold and nervous when I heard that my father was getting home. Because I knew there was gonna be two reactions. One, it was gonna be a cold war. Silence. No one would say anything. No one would deal with the problem. No one would ask why he was gone for so many days. Everyone just act normal and don't say nothing. It's like pins and needles in the house. The other reaction was all out World War III. Blenders flying, plates crashing, doors slamming, people screaming. I mean, the neighbors found out the cops were being called. You name it, it was happening. So I didn't know what I was gonna get. So what do I do? I, I fled, I escaped. And, and oftentimes I could not leave my house, so I had to leave here, you understand? So my outs, my fleeing's, my escapes became a couple of tools that I use. Food, pornography, and religion. I use church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go to church because I got to go to rehearsal. I got to play the piano. I got to I got to go. I got to direct the choir. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I filled my agenda with things. It wasn't relational. It wasn't Holy Spirit led. It was filling my agenda with things to do because I did not want to be at home. Sometimes we use God to fill our agenda. Was it healthy? Absolutely not. Did it allow me to escape my reality as a teenager? Yes. However, as I grew up, these tools, they stayed with me. My toolbox didn't automatically shift into adulthood. All of a sudden, I got an automatic upgrade like we get on our apps. No, 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 no. It, it, sh- it didn't shift. It didn't change into marriage gear. Yes, I acquired a couple of new tools through mentorship, through pastors, through spiritual leaders that I added to my toolbox, but some of those older tools were still there. You know that toolbox that you bring to every relationship? What's in your toolbox? What's in your toolbox when you go to your coworker and deal with conflict? What's in your toolbox when you have a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship and there's issues and problems? Or, or, or let's go there today. What's in your toolbox when you deal with God? How do you deal with challenges in your life? How do you deal with crisis? How do you deal when a relationship starts to fail? Do you blame others and not look at yourself? Are you the one always pointing the finger? It's them. It's them. It's them. It's there. That's the problem. Not me. I'm amazing. I'm the best thing on earth, not me. I'm so godly. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church on Wednesdays. Not me. I'm not the problem. All marriages and relationships at some point need a check in or a check up. We need to self examine. We need to take a closer look. We need to reflect. If this is not working and you're not married, obviously, then maybe it's time to leave. I just helped out someone there, but it's okay. Some of you are really quiet because you're like, pastor told me to leave him. Maybe this is not the right moment. Maybe you're not healed enough to be with that person. We don't just go to the doctor once in our life. We don't just go to the dentist once in our life. So, so why do we do that to marriages? Oh, I'm in a crisis, pastor. Come and help me. I need counseling. Oh, I'm, I'm at the altar crying my eyes out. I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer. And then everything is fine and we move on. Do we really fix the problem? Or do we just move on to the next one? See, it's a continual work. It doesn't just stop one time. It's not just one prayer. It's continuous. It's continuous. Paul states that we are transformed through the renewing of our minds. It's a constant process. In the world we train for certain hours to be doctors and teachers and firefighters and to learn a trade, to be a plumber, to be a construction worker. But we give up so easily on our marriages. We don't spend enough time. We don't spend enough time on our relationships. Folks, marriage is hard work. Just letting you know for those single folks out there, oh, I'm going to get married. Everything's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that honeymoon. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. You got to remember, this is hard work. I've been married for 17 years now. I don't know how she's done it, but... When God called me 13 years ago to go study at seminary, I was like, hon, I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to go study. And she's like, okay, amen. I'm going to support you. I said, it's going to be long haul. It's 93 credits for Masters in Divinity. She was changing diapers on the seminary floor, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the evening. She was giving bottle feedings and going to Chipotle to get salads, because that's all we had. But she embraced it. She said, I'm here to support you. She supported me when I was totally frustrated and upset. I was about to give up. I remember it was like my second year, third year of seminary. I was struggling with being a father for the first time, struggling being a husband, struggling in ministry, and she embraced me, and she says, David, you can do it because I know God has called you. See, all the singles out there, you need a woman for those men. You need a, a woman that's going to be strong and support you and be there and be a God-fearing, praying woman. Because I, I, sometimes I'm like, I think about her prayers. because I know God's going to answer her prayers probably faster than mine. Because she prayed for boys, and we got two boys, not one girl. She never doubted. Constantly prayed for me. And then when she was accepted as a New York City teaching fellow, and she started her track to do her master's degree, I said, it's my turn, hon, to support you. I'm going to change the diapers. I'm going to take the kids to the park. I'm going to do the bottle feedings. I'm going to do all that because you need to study now. See, it's mutual. We got to support each other. It's hard work, guys. Marriage is hard work, but I know with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. I think I've fallen in love with her more and more and more, seeing her through all these trials that we've had. But too often we see couples Reach out for counsel and help to the wrong places to support themselves. Instead of going to the right place, instead of going to pastoral counseling, instead of going to a counselor, they sit down and they talk stuff with their friends and their family members. Oh, you don't know what I got to do. You don't know how this guy is. He doesn't like to do anything. He doesn't like to clean. He doesn't like to do that. He do, he leaves his clothes always on the floor. And women don't stay behind because you start chatting with your, your friends too. Like, oh, this guy is good for nothing. He's lazy. Men, we complain all the time. We tell our family members about the bad things of our spouses or relationships and then we expect all of a sudden for them to magically turn when everything gets good again all of a sudden for them to have wise counsel again and then they're against our relationships and we're wondering why they're against our relationships well you were feeding them all the stuff that was going on intimate in your marital bedroom You were confessing to them all the junk that was happening instead of going to the right means, instead of going to the right people, instead of getting godly counsel. You were just sharing your stuff that was going on inside your home to other people. The the reality is that we are looking for someone just to approve us and approve our complaining. See, I have a word for that. I'm not going to totally use it because I'm on the altar right now, but the word for that is called immaturity. We seek to self-gratify. We seek to stroke our ego rather than to listen to the truth. Friends and families will always take our side. They'll never give us wise counsel. Usually they, they, they won't provide us with this. Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. I saw some wives going like this to their husbands saying, you better listen to that advice. Let's take a moment today and listen to his advice. God's counsel, God's promises. God's word promises is that he wants his people to walk in victory. In all things, the word says, we are more than what? Conquerors. Who the son sets free is free indeed now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is god wants you free folks there is a freedom in your marriage all bondages all chains be broken in the name of jesus this means there is freedom in your home this means that you are free from repeating the sinful patterns of your family this means that you are no longer slave to the abusive cycles that have been occurring in your life God wants you free. The kingdom needs households, couples, families that are on fire and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there are others in the world that are hopeless and ready to give up. Church, we need to be on fire for the Lord. It starts with us seeking godly and wise counsel through the renewing of our emotional and spiritual toolbox. So, if you haven't already started taking notes, I want you to really focus on these notes. I want you to really think about these tools. So here's my first tool. Are you ready? Grow up. Adulting is hard, but you gotta do it. Genesis 2 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. See, God designed marriages with healthy boundaries. A man shall leave his father and mother. Isn't God so wise that he knew from the beginning that mother-in-laws were just going to be a pain in the neck? Not all mother-in-laws. There's some good mother-in-laws out there, blessed those who are good. We see in the foundational piece of scripture, in this foundational piece of scripture, that God requires man to do the following things to begin his life. A physical separation must occur. A new start, a new beginning. This means you're paying your own bills, folks. Mommy and daddy are not paying your cell phone bill anymore. You are paying utilities. You're paying rent, you're paying a mortgage. You don't want daddy or mommy paying your credit card bills. Come on. And parents, no more coddling, please. Don't hold them by the hand. They're adults. Stop this. Oh, no, she's my baby, my baby. She's 30 years old. No, no, porque es bendito. He's 40. He has a beard. Come on. I know it's that I had to prepare this food, and that's good, that's all great. But we can't coddle them anymore. Can't hold them by the hand. We gotta let them fall. We gotta let them know that there is struggle. We gotta let them know that there is pain. That's okay. We're growing in a culture where we don't want to experience pain, where we don't want to experience hurt. We just don't want to experience it, so we numb ourselves. That's not growth, guys, that's immaturity. Two, man must cleave to his wife, right? The phrase in the original Hebrew means you have to stick to your wife like glue. You know, like gorilla glue, that crazy glue, that stuff that doesn't let go. That stuff, you got to stick to your wife like glue. You are one. That means that there is no intentions of divorce. There is no intentions for divorce. This is for life, folks, and if you ain't ready for it, don't do it. Then you have the gift of celibacy, and that's a different that's a different sermon. Like Paul, Paul said, you know, if you want to be like me, and I be, but be celibate, because some people are like, oh, I'm gonna be single, but I'm ready to mingle. no that's not what the word is talking about here about being single. He's single but celibate, right? Married folk, you know you know what I'm talking about. There is, there's a struggle in marriage. But when we come together as one, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it a beautiful sync, right, that you come together and you talk together and you spend those times together, right, even though sometimes you guys annoy each other? But it's, it's love. We must learn that part of being a mature relationship is being a mature adult. Too often I hear, I got married because he completes me. She complete, She's my other, she completes me, pastor. Sorry to break it to you, but in order to have a healthy marriage, both individuals must be complete. Before you enter marriage, that means you got to do work on what? Self. You got it. What will you offer if you're an incomplete adult? Your incompleteness will overflow into your marriage. Now your wife becomes your mommy, taking care of your mommy wounds because you never dealt with it. Or or now your husband becomes your daddy because you never dealt with the fact that you never had a real father figure in your life. I heard that. That's not a marriage. That's unhealthy relationships. And then we're we're, we're we're in trouble. We're in crisis. We're struggling. We don't know what to do. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Did you work on self first? No, but it's her problem. She's the nagging wife. She's always complaining. Did you look at yourself first? Did, did you look at your mess? Did you look at your junk first? Or are you always pointing the finger at the other person? Is that your tool? Hmm. I'm going to leave it there. We must become complete individuals first in order to achieve oneness with our spouses. This is part of growing up. Tell your neighbor you got to grow up. (laughs) Number two, we must become true peacemakers in our households. Some of us don't know what to do when conflict hits our relationship. We run away from the conflict. We think we're being peacemakers, but we're being false peacemakers because we're trying to make everything nice. We don't want to step on anyone's toes. We want we want to say all the right things. We want to be politically correct. We don't want to offend anyone. But I don't think that there was any scripture that Jesus says, I will not offend anyone. I am going to say the truth. I'm going to say the truth, and the truth shall what? Well, set you free. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Children of God. Too often we use the tool of ignoring problems. The more we ignore, the more it doesn't go away. We can't pretend that the problem is gone or pretend what is wrong is right. Many of us in our family cultures do that oh, don't talk about that. We can't talk about that. No, 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 that's too sensitive. Let's not talk about how there was abuse and there was rape in our family. Let's let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about other behaviors that are addictive in our family. Let's not talk about the alcoholism or the cycle of pornography that has occurred in our family. Let's not talk about the adultery or the adulterous relationships and how all marriages are broken in our family. Let's not talk about all those other things that that we don't want to talk about because they're uncomfortable. They don't make us comfortable because it's shedding light in darkness. See, to be true peacemakers in our families in our marriages in our relationships we must love others and god enough to disrupt the false peace that is happening in our lives in the lives of others we settle for a false peace because we think that this is the right thing to do however in Matthew 10:34-36 it clearly states that Jesus did not come to maintain false peace he came to uncover and disrupt the false peace I love Jesus. He, just, he, when he talks, it's just like, wow, did you really say that, God? And he says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. Or in Spanish, una chancleta. Un chancletazo. If you don't know Spanish, it's, you know, you take that sandal pop. That's what Jesus was doing. He was popping people spiritually i don't condone violence i'm just saying (laughs) jesus came to turn things up he said no 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 can't conform to this world we have to be renewed we have to be transformed we can't be like the world we have to be different that means we need to talk about the stuff that makes us uncomfortable but you you don't want to hear that y'all don't want to hear that Many of us live under the false peace because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It's so sensitive. we got to be sensitive. We can't say that. If we talk about things, we may disrupt those things. And guess what? There may be freedom. (laughs) There may be freedom. Listen, light disrupts what? Darkness. And we are called to be what? light in the middle of the darkness we are called to be salt and we are called to be truth we are called to shine light in the middle of the culture of lies we can't allow our children our marriages our families our future generations to continue in this darkness we can't perpetuate this lie we can't continue this walking in darkness we can't allow satan to blind and rob our future generations of truth It's time to turn things up in your family. Time to turn things upside down. Revolutionize. That's what Jesus was. He was a revolutionary. That's what peacemaking is in the kingdom. Let's embrace conflict. We cannot have true peace in his kingdom if we're living under lies. What lies are you living in right now? What are the lies in your household? What things are you hiding right now from your spouse? You're not going to say it now, but what things are you holding on to yet you haven't confessed? Everything must be exposed. Everything must be brought to the light. If you want to walk in freedom, you need to confess. If you, I'm going to say that again. If you want to walk in freedom, you need to confess. And oh boy, is it so good to walk in freedom. When you walk in freedom, nothing bothers you. Because you're walking in freedom. No, no, that that problem, God got it. I'm walking in freedom. I know I'm going to have tribulation. I know I'm going to have problems. I know I'm going to have conflict. But God is by my side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's what David was talking about. If you look at the Psalms, it's like a confessionary. He was talking about himself, walking through that valley of the shadow of death, through conflict, through problems. Speak um, number three, we'll get to that point, because I could go on and on about that. Learn to speak and learn to listen. Some of us need to learn how to speak, because the way I, I'm not even going to go there, but. The way some of us speak to each other, mm -mm. we need to work on self. Some of us don't know how to listen. That's another one. You don't got to say that now. But how many have difficulties listening? There's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I I think I've read it four or five times. Done studies on it, re- reread it, still have it in my back pocket, basically. It's on my Kindle. Constantly refer to it. Peter Scissaro is the author, he's a pastor in New York City. And he wrote five things about how to listen and how to speak in the middle of conflict, in the middle of issues, in the middle of relational problems. So I'm going to give you these tools, and this with this, I'm going to end. So when speaking, we're going to talk about those who, who like to who, who likes to talk here. There's some talkers in relationships here. They just like to talk and talk and talk. I've seen it. So you don't even let your husband talk, or you don't let your wife talk. Slow down. Hold on. Let's let each other listen to each other, right? So when speaking, I want you to do the following things. Number one. I want you to talk about your own thoughts, your own feelings. Don't involve, you know, Juanita said this, Tia Pepa said that. Oh, but my grandfather said that a long time ago. No, 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 no. Tell me what you are feeling. You, your thoughts. Keep it to your thoughts only. Number two, be brief. Don't go on, and some people just go on and on and on about the same thing. No, no, you said it once, it's okay, we got the point. Three, correct the person if you believe he or she has missed something. Remember, we correct with love, but maybe they didn't get the whole story the first time. So you gotta say it, it's okay to clarify, guys. I know sometimes, oh, well, I'm the man. I'm macho. I I don't need to say that again. She heard me once. I don't got to speak again. It's okay to repeat yourself. You're doing it because you love her. Number four, continue speaking until you feel you have been understood. I often have this trouble because my mind goes faster than my mouth. And I'll think and I'll, think that i said it but i didn't say it and i'll see the confusion on my wife's face and like i didn't say that right right okay let me say that again okay and i'll correct myself number five when you don't have anything else to say say that's it i'm done very simple right all right let's go for those who are good how many are good listeners here You got some good listeners? Okay, good. All right, good. Let's see if you're a good listener. So, number one, I want you as a good listener to put your own agenda on hold. Be quiet, don't interrupt, be still, like if you're in God's presence. Number two, allow the other person to speak until that person is completely finished with their thought. Don't interrupt them. Listen to them. Value what they have to say because what they have to say is extremely important. Number three, reflect accurately the other person's word back to him or her. You can paraphrase this. You can say the same words because this shows the other person that you are actively listening to that person. It shows them respect. Don't watch a game while you're having this conversation. Don't scroll through Facebook or Instagram while you're talking. Don't go through, oh, I got an email. Hold on, I got a text message. I got I to gotta do this right now. You, you can keep on talking. I'm listening to you. You're not making them feel important. You're not giving them value. Number four, when it appears the speaker is done, ask. Is there more? Do you have more to say? That's okay to ask, guys. Sometimes we're afraid to say, oh, they're done. Obviously, they're done. They don't got anything else to say. Ask. Number five, when, when they're done, ask them of everything you shared, What is the most important thing you want me to remember? This will create healthy communication between each other. For a while, we were not communicating very well, my wife and I. And we realized we needed to do something. So we went for counseling we sat down with a counselor and we talked through things and we learned skills. We learned new tools to add to our toolbox. We went through readings and, and, and counseling and prayer time. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at listening or speaking. She could probably tell it better than I do. But I think I got it a little bit better. And over time, your relationship starts growing stronger and, stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And that oneness seems closer and closer and closer. And you're cleaving now to your wife. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to leave you with this nugget because I didn't get to this in the last, in first service. So you guys got the next year nugget here. I want to finish with something that I talked about at the very beginning, which was infidelity. It's the number one cause of divorce today in America. Men and women stray away from the marital beds for numerous reasons. But I want to give you three strategies if that is occurring. And if it does, if it is, please reach out. Please reach out. We want you to walk out free. We want freedom to be. We want healthy marriages in citywide. We want healthy people to walk out from those doors. We don't want you to be the same. We want you to transform according to God's power. So three things if there's infidelity. There is a way to restore infidelity, folks. But it's hard work. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It's hard work first there has to be a sincere apology the apology must be equal to the level of offense you can't simply say i'm sorry let's eat dinner no 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 you 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 have to sit down you have to talk it through you have to be able to give your spouse information about why what happened and answer all those questions after all, we, are, we have to act in truth and we have to be peacemakers so we can't hide anything. Nothing stays in the darkness. Nothing stays in the shadow. Nothing is a lie. Two, we have to, we have to take ownership of our actions if we've been unfaithful. I did it. You can't say, oh, I did it, but it was because you. Uh-uh. That's not ownership, guys. That's immature behavior. That's immaturity. We got to take ownership for our actions. And three, complete transparency must take place. You no longer have rights to your cell phone. You have no passwords that your wife or your husband does not know. You don't have any secret accounts. You don't have any secret rendezvous. Your wife or your husband knows where you are at every single minute of the day. You can have a tracker on you. That's fine. And then we could start the healing. God can restore it. God can restore it. We've heard it. We've seen it. We know God can restore it. But it takes hard work. And then you go into counseling. And then you do the work you do the work but it can be done where the spirit of the lord is there is what freedom there is freedom in this place guys You don't need to walk out the same. You don't need to walk out with the same baggage. You don't need to walk out in the same bondage. You don't need to walk out with the same issues, with the same cyclical problems and addictive behaviors that you've been dealing with. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is here changing and transforming and renewing our minds. We believe in a powerful, awesome healer. Let the word start today. Don't delay, don't wait till next week, don't wait till tomorrow, do it today. And I'm gonna ask the altar workers to come up quickly because there are broken hearts here. There are lives that need a touch of the master. There are people here who are wounded, who've been wounded by relationships. Maybe it wasn't your husband, maybe it wasn't your wife, maybe it wasn't your boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe it was a, a father figure. Maybe it was a mom. Maybe it was a different type of relationship. Maybe it was a friend that hurt you. And, and you try to reach for a tool in that toolbox and that tool was broken. And you found yourself defenseless and hurting and wounded and your heart is bleeding out right now. And you have no resources and you don't know what to do because you keep on going the same vicious cycles and the same relationships are happening, and you just don't have a solution. But let me tell you today, I don't want you to walk out those doors with that same bondage because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom for you today. Don't walk out the same. Be renewed, be transformed. I'm going to open up the altar, and if you do want to come down, you can come down through this middle aisle. The altar workers are ready to lay hands, to pray over you, to be with you, to cry with you if you need to cry. This is the moment. This is the moment that the Holy Spirit will restore and change and renew your life. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today.